This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show, the award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Welcome, everybody, to the Norris Group Real Estate Radio Show and Podcast. Uh, we're doing a special uh, show today. Uh, joining me today is Bruce Norris, live and in person in Riverside, California. Um, you know, when Bruce does these presentations for the clubs, you know, there's there's been references in his presentations to a couple of books. And inevitably, throughout the years, I've always gotten these emails from people or questions actually during the Zoom call. Uh, does Bruce have a like a top five, you know, uh, list of books that he would, that he would recommend that you read? And so... That was kind of the the brainchild of this of this show. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about some influential books that uh, Bruce has read throughout the years and have in, has impacted his career, especially early on. Um, and so we'll we'll go from there. But before we get started, hi Bruce. Hey Joey, how you doing? Good seeing you. And so, uh, but Bruce, are, are books recreational for you, or was it um, a matter of business uh, why you started reading them? You know, when I was a kid, honestly, the only books I read was um, like one of those series books with uh, adventures. I, I'm even drawing a blank on the names of the books, but it was like the Hardy Boys. There you go. That was literally the only books I read. And so uh, I did not pick up that habit until I got married. I got married at 17. And after getting fired a few times, I started thinking maybe... <laughs> Maybe it's me. <laughs> you know, you don't want to blame yourself for anything. So it's always uh, out there. But then I really started doing some soul searching, thinking uh, maybe I actually need some help here. <laughs> so I think that was the start of me looking at what I could find on my own. So it wasn't like I was a, a voracious reader. I was would I just wanted to keep a job. That was my original thought. And, you know, a lot of the lot of the list of the books that we're going to be covering, nothing to do with real estate. And so maybe maybe we'll visit that topic in another, you know, five, five favorite real estate books or something like that. But I had to bring the right person to the real estate business. And all of these books helped me do that. Okay. So this wasn't more of a like, hey, this is going to have an impact in your career. Like you you didn't know that. You were just trying to get incrementally better every time you read a book. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to how to maneuver at work um, and life. I, I was pretty irritated at life, frankly. I, I didn't enjoy that. I felt like um, the victim and all that nonsense, you know. So it's not fun to have that as an employee. So, you know, like, like a, like a chip on your shoulder type thing. And the more I got fired, the the bigger the chip got. And so it took a, it took a few firings and, you know, we had that Harold Pomeroy moment where he basically changed my life. Cause he pissed me off to such a large extent, telling me the truth. You, you let your family down every day by not trying hard. That was a great thing to say to me, you know, because I, I didn't connect those dots. But when he did, uh, it was life changing. So I think maybe it wasn't until after that 
that I actually started looking at how to improve myself. Because up until then, I was just resentful about stuff. I had been I had been fired five times in a row. The first time was actually not fair. And I, I, and I retained that for a long time. The guy that fired me was a manager of a department I worked for. The firing came from the president of the company as he fired all the people in the department other than the manager. And the manager and guy and I got along great. And he knew I did a great job. And he was crying when he gave me my severance pay. Well, in the back of my mind, I went, is this how this works? And I got ticked and I just thought, okay, well, the heck with trying hard. And, you know, I thought the world owed me a check or something. So <laughs> the, next, the next four people that hired me got the resentful guy that got fired wrongfully. And then I figured out no one cares how low you'll sink. You bow if you want to be on food stamps, which we were for a month, one month, I, I never got them again because my wife was embarrassed to go to the store with them. And actually, the first time she used them, there was somebody at the cash register. The cashier said, gave her a hug and said, they're there, honey, it'll be OK. And that was like, OK, oh man, you know, so that OK, so that I, I had landed on the bottom square due to my own resentment. And Harold Pomeroy fixed that in one sentence about my effort. But then I needed some tools, you know. And that's what these books provided. Okay, well then let's uh, let's jump in them now. Are these books in order of importance to you, or just hey, you know what? These no. are just top five in my in my list, and let's just we'll go through well, them. And it is a sequence of how they were introduced to me. Okay, yeah, that's kind of why I did that. So um, the first one, how to win friends and influence people. I had a problem with creating um, escalating situations. I don't know if you've ever had that trouble, but if there was a a bone of contention, I could make it twice as bad as it, <laughs> it was going to be or, or it should have been. Oh yeah. Hold my and beer. This, <laughs> yeah. It's just, I was, I was on the edge, you know, and I was again, resentful and all that. And I brought that to everything. And this book, there was, it's, it's kind of funny. There's usually one sentence in a book where I could put the book down and go, okay, I got it. And there was, a, there was basically a, a sentence, and it says, you have to learn to avoid the acute angle. And what it was meant, it was basically just defuse stuff. Don't, don't escalate it. And I just thought, I think I could do that. And so it became a game for me that even in things that were just obviously should be escalated, that you could take it the other direction. And I, I actually enjoyed the process because it was it was astonishing to the other side. So I'll give you two quick examples that had to do with the house buying business. So so I implemented this a long time before the examples I'm going to give you, but this would be an example of how the outcome changed because of my understanding what this book was telling me to do. I had bought a home in Corona. I just bought it and it had an automatic sprinkling system going. And it was cockeyed and the guy had just washed his truck next door and it soaked his truck when it went on automatically. <laughs> so he came over. Now I never met him. He knocked, he didn't knock on the door. He, that kind of knock, you know, and he, he's your, your blankety blank, um, sprinkler system just soaked my newly washed truck. Now the old Bruce would say, 
<laughs> is, is this before uh, black belt, Bruce? Is this before your black belt or after? I can box, pal. I'm ready. <laughs> anyway, so it was like, uh, so I just immediately went into defuse mode and I kind of smiled at the guy. I said, you know, that doesn't sound like a situation that two reasonable guys can't solve. He looked at me, he goes, yeah, you're right. I'll just move my truck. <laughs> and it was, it was that kind of game, you know? One of my sons read a note that I, I actually wrote to a guy that had parked his car in my driveway. And I know he read the note to see what, you know, what nasty thing I was maybe saying. And what I said in the note was, I appreciate you parking your car in my driveway because it now appears that somebody lives here. Thank you very much. Well, the car never got parked there again. <laughs> you know, that that's one of the things that in, in this book, it's it's uh, it has six things uh, to make people like you. Right. And one of the things I always remembered is smile. And you said that right at the first thing you did. I smiled at him and I said, you know what you said. And that's, you know, one of the it's you know, this book is really based on the golden rule. Right. Yeah. And it, it really became a game that I recognized instantly. Every time there was an escalation, it was my goal to defuse it and make it zero. <laughs> and and you can do it. And your life is just so much better. I mean, I, I was just always escalating things to the ridiculous level. And now I was on the opposite end of things, things that you could be legitimately a contest um, when it's a nothing. And your life was so much better. Yeah. So this was this was a big step for me because I just I stopped being angry at life. I just did. You know, one of my mentors in insurance before I, uh, you know, a long time ago when I was selling insurance, he always told me be easy to work with, and mm -hmm. that that always stuck with me. Just be easy to work with. You know, the guy's a jerk. All right. Well, I'm not going to re reciprocate that. You know what? How could I help you? You know, and that's that's kind of how I've always, you know, treated people like. That I want them to enjoy their interaction with me. And that's always stuck with me. And that's kind of based on the same principle. All right. So let's talk about uh, number two on your list is See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. Now, this is a book I haven't read. Uh, so I'll, I'll rely on you uh, to kind of talk about it. Well, Zig Ziglar was really well known for sales. So he was a door-to-door -door salesman, a great closer. So it was, it was a sales book for sure. Um, but he had a quote in there. And this was kind of cool because it's, it tells you who he was. He said, live in such a way that if somebody should speak badly of you, no one would believe it. <laughs> I really, I, I really like that. That's a dirty lie, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, in other words, it, it, that would be so cool to have such a reputation that somebody heard something. And it's just like, that's BS. <laughs> yeah. you, know, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about this. My buddy, Glenn, I've, that I've known forever, right? Since mm -hmm. ninth grade. Someone, I was at a dance or something for high school, and uh, somebody said that uh, Glenn smoked marijuana, and I was not in the mood to hear that. I was, I, I, I challenged the guy literally to a fight right then, and he, he says, no, no, no. He says, I'm kidding you. Go ask Glenn. So I went to go ask Glenn, and he said, yeah, I do. And I'm like, I'm about ready to kick you. <laughs> I was just, oh, my I'm gosh. defending your bad name. <laughs> That's right. I said, what? That's anyway, funny. it's just anyway. But um, Zig Ziglar was a great closer. And so he didn't, he had nothing to do with real estate. 
But there were some things that I read in his book. And that was the first, probably the first book about sales that I ever read. And I actually drove around with it in a, in a, in a tape. And that was, see, that was why I liked getting into sales because I could now listen to stuff. So Ziegler was one of the people that I listened to and he had stories. So I'll tell you one of the stories and then how that translated into, into a real estate situation. He, he went into a hotel in Houston and uh, he said, reservation for Zig Ziglar. Sorry, Mr. Ziegler, we can't find it. When did you make the reservation? He said, uh, about two weeks ago. And she said, mm, honestly, I'd, every room in this hotel has been booked for a year, a solid year, because this weekend is the doctor convention that we have every year. And he said, so there's just no way two weeks ago a reservation would have been available. And uh, without batting an eye, Ziegler said, I see. I, he says, let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself an honest woman? She said, I certainly do. I said, okay, I'm an honest man. If the president of the United States walked in the hotel tonight, would you have a room for him? And she said, you know, certainly well, if the president came in, we'd find a room for him. You're an honest woman. I'm an honest man. He's not coming tonight. I'll take his room. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he got the room. Now, I listened to that tape, never thinking that I would use that close verbatim, but in a, in a really an impossible situation. We had a construction sale. Excuse me. We were constructing a duplex and it was sold. But we had to get a demand from Security Pacific Bank to get a payoff so we could close escrow. And they were delaying it and delaying it. Finally, the, when you get a loan approval, there's, there's, it's only good for so long. So sure, literally, sure. if we didn't get that demand, the escrow was going to fall out. We'd have to start again. It was a big deal, a really big deal, because our construction loan was, was done as far as the due date. So it could be foreclosed on. So it was, we had to get a yes answer. My partner went to the bank and forcibly asked for the demand, demanded the demand got escorted out of the bank by security. He was so, you know, belligerent. So he calls me up. He says, Bruce, we're, we're not getting the demand today. I said, that is actually not possible to be acceptable. So pull off the freeway and turn around and head back to the bank. He said, there is no way. So on the phone, I call the lady that had kicked him out with security, helping him out. And I said, hi, I'm Bruce Norris. I'm the partner of the gentleman you just had taken out of the bank. She said, I'm glad to talk to you. <laughs> so she chewed at me for a couple minutes. She said, this is the way it works, pal. You mail an address for the demand. When we get to it, we fill it out. We mail it back. Any other questions? I said, yes. I said, do you consider yourself an honest woman? She said, I certainly do. I said, if you needed the demand for yourself today, could you walk out the bank with it? There was a pause and she said, yes, I could. I said, just this once, could you treat a customer with the same consideration that you could treat yourself? There was a pause. She says, I cannot believe you're going to get that demand. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, here's the, here's the bad news. My partner is going to be the one that picks it up. He <laughs> said, I will not let him in the bank. I will slip it through the crack of the door. Wow. <laughs> so reading these books, you don't, you never know what's going to help you, you know, but that, that attitude that I have to get a yes answer is in your head because you've watched this process 
and the impossible happen. And that's, that's happened so many times, you know, one of the, I think that was sort of the birth of the talk that we do right now, unintended journey, because there's so many of those moments for me that if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have gone any further. It was the end of the road type stuff. And so um, reading that book was a big help in those situations where you think, well, this is a definite answer, no answer for 99.9% .9 of the population, but would Zig Ziglar get it done? Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Ziglar. <laughs> All right. So the, the next, oh, go ahead. Nice to be able to borrow. You know, that's the thing you're, you're getting, you're getting touched by these books. So I, I learned not to aggravate people in the first book. And now I learned to get them to cooperate in completely obnoxious settings. You know, the, uh, you know, the story about the getting the guy to sign or get the paperwork at the gate. You know, I've got it very yeah, early in yeah. my career. Yeah. I've got to get a guy that is a, is a multi gazillionaire already in the eighties out of his 10,000 square foot house at four in the morning. And I, I asked him a series of questions, you know, and it's like, um, do you own a business? Yes. Have any salespeople? Yes. Last question. I work for you. And the only way I could do what you needed me to do was push a buzzer at four in the morning. Would you want me to do it? And then there was a pause and he says, I'll, I'll be right down. So I over and over again, but these were not real estate books. You know, these were persuasion books and how to change your life books. What's well, a, it's a skill set that you're building. And these books are, you know, one by one teaching you. So what did, what did the next book, Seasons of Life by Jim Rohn uh, teach you? Well, you know, Jim Rohn was really a seminar and I was forced to go to that in the inside of 30 days of me being in the house buying business. And I worked for a company and he had all the employees go to this seminar. I had never been to any seminar. Um, my brother Dwight had gone to a few. I was, I was very suspicious of, you know, I just was. I, I So I was the disgruntled attendee. I had no choice. And then within a couple minutes, I wrote my first note on top page. And I, I, I got the impression he was there for a really wholesome reason. I didn't feel like he needed a thing from me. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to pay attention to this guy. And um, the first thing, first thing that struck me is there were sentences that he said that were so perfect that I just like, how long did it take you to say it that way? I mean, it's just a perfect sentence. And, um, you know, I just started taking a lot of notes. And I think one of the stories that he said, and this is, I suppose, one of the reasons I tell stories is because what changed his life was a Girl Scout coming to his door, selling him a $2 box of cookies. He's 26 years old. He's married, not successful. And the girl does a really good job. And he wants to buy it. Trouble she, is he she, read, she read the Zig Ziglar book, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he didn't have two bucks. So what does he do? He lies to her. He actually tells her, yeah, you're just late. There was a girl before you and I bought 10 boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so she very nicely left. And then he slumps to the floor and cries. That was his moment. Where it's like, that's never happening again. And one of the things it did for him is, and, and one of the reasons I carry the money that I do is he always carried hundreds of dollars. And so if he ever met up with a Girl Scout cookie sale, he bought the whole thing. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just, that kind of thing changed, it changed his life. Well, that night, 
was the first time I heard about setting goals and being able to borrow something in your past that motivated you. And I just knew what that was. That was that Harold Palmore moment telling me I was letting my family down. That emotion, I got to borrow and plug into anything I wanted to accomplish with that kind of intensity. That was an amazing tool. And so that's what that seminar gave me was a tool to go. And I love getting irritated because of that, to be honest with you. It's not that I want to be irritated, but I know what to do with it. So if something bad happens, I get that hat on. It's like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I'm solving this. And so that's just, um, just a great series of tools. I, I just loved how he talked. I went to his seminar probably every year for eight years in a row. I had written an eight year goal to be a millionaire. And on the eighth year, I went there with my little chart, you know, the chart that's supposed to have a straight line to get there. And it was like, <laughs> life doesn't work out quite that way, but I get there. And, uh, it was pretty cool. We had a private meeting at his office. And, uh, and then when we did the, the event for not I survived millionaire maker millionaire maker. I think, I think he was the first, he was the first guest speaker. And, um, I was in the, one of the back rows sitting next to somebody when, when he started speaking and it was obvious he is, he was very well to do and all that. And so somebody that was sitting close to me said, I wonder why he still does this. Well, during a one hour presentation, there were three unsolicited standing ovations. That's hard to do as a speaker. And uh, at the end of the third one, I looked at, I said, when, when would you get tired of hearing that? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I've, I've witnessed this, you know, firsthand being here, you know, uh, one of the, you know, piss Bruce off moments was, you know, the, the first time we went through the Florida stuff with Dalton, Yeah. you know, yeah. and that was like, Hey, no, I'm not, I'm going to stand in front of our investors distrusted me. And I'm going to make this right. And I, and I saw it firsthand. Well, it's a great place to go because I feel undefeatable when I'm there. I really do. I think it comes across. And um, yeah, that, it, that, that switch got clicked instantly, Joey. When, I, when Aaron and I figured out the, the number that was, mm -hmm. I just literally, my head went, uh, no, that's not how this is going to end. Bought a plane ticket. I was like the only person on the plane because that was right at the start of COVID. Yeah. I mean, literally and met, met with the builder and, you know, and he was obviously really upset thinking that I was going to be completely freaking out. I was in solution mode, man. Yeah. I said, Hey, that's, that's not what, what we're going to do. We're going to figure this out. So, you know, fortunately he made a great effort to get all the subcontractors in that room yeah. that I had to tell collectively the bad news. And 30 days later, we wrote the checks and solved the problem. But yeah, well, I'd that say was... without, without that training of knowing that, okay, this is solvable, but I have to put my Harold Palmroy mood on. <laughs> well, that was, I was about to say the the second part of that was watching you, you know, ask me for the list of phone numbers of every single one of those contractors that were old money. And you went into your office for three days straight and just made calls and just, you know, just negotiated and talked to them and, you know, 
I'm sure you you heard an earful from everybody, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we we, you know, I I I still remember you coming, you know, down the hall, you know, Aaron was in his office, I was in mine. And before you got to Aaron, you just looked at me and you said, We did it. We just got the last one. And and like you came in, you gave me a hug, and I was like, man, like <laughs> we really did it. And then obviously you went next door to, to Aaron's and to you know share the news too. And it but it was like the culmination of like some just unbelievable you know, pressure. You know what was interesting is those phone calls were not unpleasant, oddly enough. Really? No, because that meeting, when we stood in front of that group and said, okay, this is the problem. And when people understood that I was putting up money that I had didn't have anything to do with creating the problem other than I was there to solve it. No, that reaction was so completely positive. I made the first five phone calls and okay. Cause my, the number that I was giving people was 60 cents on the dollar basically. So we had a, whatever it was, $2.5 million problem and whatever we had in cash is what that was, you know, what I could do. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really, it wasn't negotiable because the, the first five people took the 60 cents on the dollar and it was all pleasant. As a matter of fact, that we, I think we had staggered the calls every 10 minutes and the first five phone call didn't take 50 minutes. It took way less, but on the sixth phone call, there was a guy and him and his wife were owed 150 grand a piece or something like that. And he filed all the paperwork he was supposed to. And he said, he said, Bruce, there's no way that I'm going to discount the thing 40% when I've got everything uh, filed. And, and I said, well, I'd be honest with you, the offer is going to have to be exactly the same for everybody on the list, or you, you just have to take it another direction because I, I have to honor the first five people that said yes to the offer. And so I, I'm, it's not that I'm trying to be uh, hard. Uh, it's the number that I have to have. And so he's like, Oh my, it's like, it never occurred to him. He was going to say yes to this. He said, we give me, give me a little time to think about this. And so, yeah, you, you kept coming to my office with like, all right, you, you'd hand me a folder. Okay. Send a, <laughs> send, a, send whatever it was that we were like the agreement. Right, all right, we send the agreement. <laughs> so he calls me back in about 15 minutes. He said, I, I cannot believe I'm going to say this. But uh, all right, I'll go along with it. So one of my favorite memories, the reason I told that story is, is when anybody was owed over a hundred grand and, and discounted it, I personally delivered those checks. Cause I mean, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So I, I go to the office now, his wife is got one of the businesses and he's got the other one. They both were owed a lot of money. So I had both checks, but he's not there. But the, the woman I hear, and I hadn't talked to her over the phone. She said, I have to go see this guy. And so I'm thinking, okay, what's going to happen? She comes out and she says, I got to tell you that my husband is no joke of a man. He was in that audience that you spoke to with a, with a gun. And uh, (laughs) the fact that you got him to say yes to this, you have chutzpah, young man. (laughs) (laughs) That was, it doesn't get better than that though, you know, but I think, I think that same thing, you know, Jim Rohn basically said, you, you can solve the unsolvable. If you get the mindset, you're not going anywhere until you get a yes. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Norris group real estate radio show and podcast. See you next week. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris group, check out the Norris for information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit TNG 
The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the Hard Money tab.